It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, Josh and I continue to break down the hiring of Steve Nash. All that and more coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bass. Joining me as always, Marcus Verhall, to discuss the, uh, I guess not breaking anymore, but if you want to check out our rapid reaction, go to the solo podcast Marcus did earlier today. But the uh, baffling, exciting news of Steve Nash being uh, signed as the next Nets coach to a four-year deal. Uh, Nash, of course, a legendary Hall of Fame player. Uh, I think considered just a good guy in the sport as a whole. Revolutionary, uh, an MVP, and now a coach. Marcus, I mean, where did this come from? I was just <laughs> in shock when you were the first one uh, I saw that that sent me the news via text. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know if, if uh, the listeners subscribed to this, but it was a little similar to the, the simulation theory in that um, I was lying in bed, I checked my phone, and as I looked at it to check the time in the morning, uh, the Woj notification popped up. So I saw it like as soon as it happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it came out of absolutely nowhere. Like, I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but I mean, we we had kind of thought that maybe there was like some uh, something going on with the Popovich rumors because he his house was on the market in San Antonio, reportedly. Um, there was that, and then there was like Ty Lue, uh maybe getting an offer or expecting an offer from the Nets. I know uh, our friend Keith Pompey talked about that. Um, Jacques Vaughn had just come out, had interviewed formally with the team and they came away impressed by him. So there was kind of a lot of talk about a few different candidates. There was no talk about Steve Nash. No one had even, uh, brought up his name as far as I had seen. Um, Mm -hmm. so it came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, I don't know, Josh, I kind of gave my reaction a little bit on the last podcast, but what was your, your first reaction? Yeah, I think first really was the shock value. Like no one talked about him and 
when you're on kind of the NBA Twitter sphere, people will throw literally every name at you. Yeah. Like I heard, like besides all the names that were bandied about, we heard like Sam Cassell, which is what we threw out. Yeah, we tried to start that. Yeah, with no traction whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the Van Gundy brothers doing it together, which was, I think, one of our favorites from Christian Winfield. Like even Vince Carter, I think that's what we talked about when Kenny first got fired. Like, oh, he's like on our, our long shot. Yeah. Like throw something against the wall, crazy, uh, crazy list, but, you know, legendary player type deal. Um, No one, no single person mentioned Nash's name. And I think that's the craziest thing about it. And, you know, everyone is so plugged in these days when it comes to Woj, Mark Stein, who was the one that broke the news, Shams, you know, Chris Haynes, Mark Spears, that for it not to be reported at all and not to get out and to come as a complete shocker to everyone, I think just makes me happy. Like it could have been, uh, the Nets hire Scott Skiles as head coach. <laughs> like, oh my God, Scott Skiles. And then of course it would have, you know, my enthusiasm would have faded like a minute later when I realized that, oh no, they hired Scott Skiles. But I just like the shock value first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, ESPN has a, an article up that they put up uh, earlier today, just kind of like a few questions about like the, the Nash hiring with some of their experts. Uh, the first question is, what was your reaction? Bobby Marks, holy cow. Uh, Tim McMahon, I didn't believe that Nash had interest in a full-time coaching job. Kirk Goldsberry, surprise. Tim Bontemps, surprise. Uh, so pretty much like across the board, even like the most plugged-in people, guys who have worked for organizations before, guys who Bobby Marks was in the Nets front office uh, at one point in time, like really no one saw this coming, or if they did, they just like didn't talk about it. So that, I completely agree, was like the most mind-blowing thing for me. I mean, now that some time has passed, um, I was texting a little bit with a friend of the pod, Jonathan Sharks, about like what like kind of system Nash is going to run. Then like, I don't know, like I have really no clue, no gauge on that. Um, Cause I think like you and I have talked about the most important thing is his relationship with Kyrie and with Kevin Durant seems to be good on both of those fronts. Um, what are you expecting from Nash kind of? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still trying to formulate it. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, kind of maybe in the Steve Kerr mold almost, but I'd say less structured. Like I don't, I can't picture what kind of system he's going to look to run. Like I don't know if he's going to be like, we have to replicate what we did in, in Phoenix with Dan Tony, because remember he kind of got his career started and had success. Um, you know, obviously the first iteration of Phoenix and then uh, on Dallas for, for a few years, and didn't play kind of that run and gun style, pick heavy, heavy, heavy pick and roll. So I think he's just kind of going to say, you know, go out there and do your thing. I think he's going to be a lot stronger on the relationship with stars part. And then also the skill development for uh, some of the younger guards. I think he could do a lot of good there, but I still just don't know what kind of style he's going to run. Uh, and I think it is good. We can get into this, that Jacques Vaughn is staying on as yes. just to give them some sort of structure Obviously, Nash, extremely experienced as a player, first-time head coach. He's gotten to observe a bit with the Warriors the last few years as kind of a, uh, a player development consultant, if you will, for them. I think that was his title. But, you know, who knows what that even entails, really? Like, is that just, like, friend to the players? Like, what is he actually doing there? Uh, so I feel confident in him, but I'm glad that he's going to get some, you know, someone with experience in there and stability and jock. Yeah, and uh, for his role with the Warriors, I mean, I I was reading about it pretty much all day today. It seemed like he was specifically working a lot with Durant and, like, a few times per year would just kind of, like, 
come to the practice facility, work out like every day for a week or, or a few days in a row, like that kind of thing. But he wouldn't be around the team all the time. He'd come for like a stretch in the preseason, a stretch uh, right before the playoffs, and then maybe something mixed in between. So he wasn't around all the time, but I think uh, the biggest takeaway is that relationship with Durant. And then, yeah, I mean, Jacques Vaughn, um, you can probably speak better to this than I can because you were following the team at the time. But when they brought Jason Kidd, uh, when the Nets brought Jason Kidd in to be their coach uh, a few years ago, and it, it, only, it only lasted the one year, but when it was a thing, they had Lawrence Frank on the staff as that like lead assistant, similar to the role Jacques Vaughn will be playing, I think. Um, and obviously that situation with Kidd kind of got out of control. He was only with the team for the one year, but we've seen other situations, like you mentioned with Steve Kerr, uh, going to the Warriors with no coaching experience, like, he had a similar thing with Ron Adams there and with, with other guys on the bench with him. Alvin Gentry was heavily involved that first year. So um, there's kind of examples on both sides of this. Like it, it could go very well, like in the Kerr example or very poorly in the kid example. Um, does this remind you at all of when the Nets brought Jason Kidd in or is this a completely different thing because the roster is so different? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely parallels because you obviously have a, a Hall of Fame point guard coming in first head coaching experience um, and you do have star players on the roster. I think this is different in a couple cases. One that, you know, Nash is not immediately jumping from player to coach, which is what kid did. And I think, you know, that was not probably the smartest move in retrospect. You know, Nash has had time away from the game or at least partially away where he can kind of think about what he wants to do, knows he really wants this, uh, which I think is a huge step in the right direction. And then secondly, you have a roster that um, is, is still pretty laden on, on veterans uh, and, and obviously quality players, but you have, you know, two top tier stars and kind of peers to how Nash was as a player in, in Kyrie and, and um, KD. And then you have guys that are good players like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, um, but ones that aren't stars, they're not all stars by any stretch and still have room to grow. So it's a nice balance there. And I think, you know, with the roster is definitely not set in stone as we've talked about. So there's a lot more flexibility there. And I think, you know, he can kind of um, be able to mold them a bit more to how he wants them to play uh, as opposed to what you had with, um, you know, with, with Jason Kidd coming to coach the Nets where Darren Williams was very dogmatic in how he wanted to play. And I guess that's maybe similar to Kyrie. And then you had guys just coming in for, for the one season that got traded there and, you know, maybe not, might not have been super keen on being there in Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce that kind of ruined everything. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to get the best treatment plan available for you. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm expecting it to be different than the kid's situation, partially just because I think Nash's temperament is probably different, and I think he's um, a lot more low-key, more in that uh, Steve Kerr style, and I think he could be a really good players coach, like a Doc Rivers type or something along those lines. Another thing that I think is like, interesting about Nash's career especially uh, compared to sort of the other great players that have become head coaches like MVP level players who became head coaches and there's a lot of talk about like those kinds of guys that level of player has trouble relating to the guy at the end of the bench or like they won't be able to translate what they did as a player because they have such unique uh, capabilities that they kind of struggle to speak to those guys at the end of the bench but Nash didn't average double-digit points until his fifth season in the league, which is kind of crazy. His first year, he was only playing 10, 11 minutes a game. Um, so it's not like he was a guy who came into the league um, like Larry Bird or like LeBron, who uh, from day one was just kind of like running things like, this is my team, this is my show. He really like was kind of a late bloomer. He didn't make his first all-star team until uh, he was 27. He didn't win the MVP until he was 33, 34 years old. So he had sort of like two different careers there. He had that beginning stretch where he was kind of trying to find himself. And then eventually that Phoenix run um, in his 30s. Um, he was 30 when he first came back to Phoenix for that uh, 04, 05 season. So he, I think, has a wide array of playing experience. And then like you mentioned, not going straight from coaching kind of, or not going straight from playing into coaching. Um, he didn't serve as a, as a head coach or an assistant coach or anything like that. But I think his role... Um, as the player development uh, guy with the Warriors, like you talked about, is definitely something. And it's like seeing the game from another side, it's taking a step back, it's um, kind of accepting that in that role that he had, it was a lot different than the role he had as a player. Like as a player, he's controlling everything. He's uh, has the ball in his hands pretty much the whole time. Um, and then in that role with the Warriors, it was really small. He was kind of similar to a role player on an NBA team, like come in for a couple minutes here or there, get some shots up, work with KD for a week or two here or there, and then kind of know when to take a step back and let the other guys run things. So I think his sort of diverse experience in terms of uh, the roles he played on NBA teams and then uh, what he became known for, which is like controlling the whole offense compared to that role he had with the Warriors, which was a lot more kind of sit back and, and let things happen. I think he has like a real nice array of skills that he's, he's uh, acquired. Agreed. Agreed. I think on, on paper, he, besides experience, he makes for a really strong candidate. And I think the temperament thing that you pointed out is really his biggest differentiator. Mm -hmm. And if you have someone who's really going to be, I'd say like hard nose coming in, especially as a rookie coach with KD and Kyrie, 
Uh, it really, if you want to make that approach work, it has to be someone who's like has multiple championships. Yeah. So kind of going someone with like Nash, who's really go with the flow, going to let kind of the players, I think, feel empowered. I can't even imagine the guy with like a suit on the sideline. So I'm just <laughs> picturing how that's going to work out. I think they'll, you know, Kyrie, obviously, he needs to have a great season these next couple of years if it's going to work out for the Nets for them to make, you know, uh, the, the finals or, or win a championship. And he's had a bunch of different types of coaches, but I think Nash is someone at the same time that, you know, will kind of ease off him, let him, you know, be Kyrie and be the excellent player and talent he is, but at the same time command uh, a ton of respect given that he is a hall of fame player at the same position. So I think obviously you never want to make predictions when it comes to Kyrie Irving, but the fit on paper is one that's really strong. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of risk with the hire. Like he could be a really bad coach. It could wind up being terrible and kind of implode, but I think he does bring sort of uh, those qualities that like Ty Lue brought to the Cavs when they moved on from David Blatt of like a guy who can manage superstars and, and work with superstars. Um, and then also he brings sort of that upside of like, we haven't seen him coach at all, so he could be really good. Um, and that's something that this Nets team needs because given their, their sort of salary cap uh, situation where they are, they don't have a ton of like options to bring in someone with that kind of upside outside of like a huge, huge trade, which would like really reshape the roster um, going for like a Bradley Beal type or someone on that level. Like this is sort of one of the only spots where they could uh, take that sort that sort of shot. And I think if it works out, like, I, I don't know, it's sort of really Kerr is the only precedent for it, but I'm, I'm obviously rooting for it. Yeah, for sure. And I think the part of it, like why we're so excited is that we didn't like any of the other candidates that were yeah. like, we just didn't No one. We were talked about it for, you know, pods and pods. And each one was like, I guess like you can see, a silver lining there, but it's not great. Like the best kind of candidate that we have was Ty Lue, who does not get you excited. Like he can, has shown that he can basically, you know, take a team with LeBron and Kyrie and, you know, make it to the point where um, they can win a championship because the ship doesn't, you know, crumble under his watch. Like he's able yeah. to have just a steady hand, but this team needs more than that because on paper, they're not going to be the favorites. So you need to kind of go swing the fence for the fences with someone that can do a bunch of different things and raise your, your, uh, you know, ceiling as a team. And I think Nash accomplishes that. And, you know, I'm just relieved because I think it's going to be really fun to watch him coach. He's a great, great, you know, um, I think someone that's just really respected in the basketball community. And I have a lot of admiration for as a player watching him grow up. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm excited uh, for that as opposed to Ty Lue or, uh, you know, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, you know, any candidate you could have thrown out there. Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, like, Ty Lue, I think we agree, would have been, like, fine. And I think Jacques Vaughn definitely impressed me in the bubble. And I'm really glad that he's staying on the staff because I think if this team does wind up winning a championship, like, the lead assistant uh, to a championship team is usually going to get a head coaching job somewhere. So uh, happy for him. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think... I'm really excited for Nash because like you said, we kind of had a lot of options that were in like the C plus to maybe a B or B plus range in, in Ty Lue's case. And with Nash, it definitely could be an F, but it could also be an A. And it's like, we are going with something where we don't know what the outcome is rather than something where we know what it is 
and we know it's like, okay, but we're taking a shot here because I, I think the point you said about the Nets not being uh, the favorites next year, they definitely, uh, they won't be the favorites to win the title, I don't think, but they could be the favorite to come out of the East. Like we've seen this season that it's, it's sort of looking like we might have uh, a Heat Celtics conference finals. Um, and if Miami was like the team to get out of the East, like I, I wouldn't make them the favorite next year, even if they did that this year. I think Boston... Maybe if they got out, I think Milwaukee, if they lose in this round to the Heat, like they'd have a lot of questions in the offseason. Stuff might happen. Guys might get moved. Um, Toronto, who knows what they're going to do or what they're going to look like next year. So I kind of think the East is a little bit wide open right now. Um, and maybe that's just the bubble. Maybe it's just like a really unique circumstance. And like in a normal season, the Bucks would have kind of rolled given their home court advantage. But I don't know. Right now, it's looking like there's no real dominant team in the East. And with uh, Kevin Durant coming back with Kyrie Irving. I think the Nets are right in the mix for the teams that have a shot to come out. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think uh, given some of the instability in the series we're seeing right now, it definitely is um, wide open. And when you look at the, you know, the coaches of these teams that are kind of in the, the final four, maybe it's, you know, results oriented because the, the teams that are good naturally think their coaches are good, but right. you know, Nick Nurse, Eric Spolstra, uh, Budenholzer and um, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Yeah, I was trying to think who the fourth team was. Even uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to push the Celtics out of my mind. Like those are four of <laughs> the most respected coaches um, in the league, and you have people that came in with you know varying degrees of, of experience. Guys that you know got shots taken on them, like Spolstra, and, and persevered through it, and coming in with a, a star heavy roster, so it can succeed. The Improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut options. Here are their six new ones. You've got Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Can't decide which one to have because they all sound so good. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm curious from your perspective, like Jacques Vaughn, obviously he resigns the lead assistant, um, he becomes the highest paid assistant in the league, which is interesting. He definitely was going to get interest from, you know, a couple of these uh, coaching spots that were open from teams like maybe the Bulls or Pelicans and ones that, um, you know, didn't have maybe championship aspirations right away. Are you surprised he didn't at least look to pursue that? Or maybe he got word that, you know, it wasn't going to happen for him. I think it makes a lot of sense for him. Um, I mean, right now the jobs that are open and more could become available, who knows, but right now it's Philly, New Orleans, and uh, Indiana are the other ones. So I think that Indiana team has a lot of issues. And I think given like 
Nate McMillan did a really good job with them the last few years in terms of getting them to overachieve in the regular season, especially like I think their win total could come down a lot next year. If they don't have a good coach, I think Philly, um, I think they're probably going to hire Ty Lu. and then new Orleans, a lot of variables. Like you would kind of be banking on Zion, uh, not getting hurt. And like those other guys taking a step forward and all those pieces fitting together. I think there wasn't really like a perfect job out there for him. And I think he was in a situation where he was like, yeah, like let me run this back. Let's like the nets are going to be much better than they were this year. Next year, we assume. So let me kind of keep this momentum going. He built up a strong momentum from the bubble. And I think if he took a job with a team that was just kind of like, yeah, we need a coach. So let's bring this guy in. He did well in the bubble. And then that team flamed out. I, I think it probably would be hard for him to get another job after that fairly or unfair because he did so poorly with the magic. And then if it was another team that he did poorly with, I think um, teams would kind of write him off. Um, so I think that like just kind of keeping this positive Jacques Vaughn momentum going um, into next season where this team we, we think is going to be a really good team and a team that's in the mix for the title. Like I think that makes sense for him to kind of roll it over into next year or the year after, and then uh, kind of be one of the more sought after guys in the league, I would assume. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I feel like for coaches, head coaches that are relatively inexperienced, their kind of top assistants always get a lot of credit if it, if it pans out. Um, so if it does work out and, you know, Jacques probably feels confident about the roster, comfortable with Steve as the head coach, uh, you know, he's going to have a good number of opportunities uh, and kind of getting a job that maybe suits more of his liking. And maybe yeah, I think it's maybe of the teams that he was talking to. Yeah, I think it's it's similar sort of to uh, when the Warriors signed DeMarcus Cousins, where like he could have gotten more money to go to a bad team, but he sort of bet on himself a little bit and said like, listen, this team is going to be in the mix to win the title. And if I can just sort of do my job here and be like average in this role, like, other teams are going to want to sign me after it didn't work out for him, but I think yeah. uh, being like a lead assistant is there's probably a lot less eyes on you. So it's kind of just sort of like, let's chill for a year and then reevaluate next year. Almost like a gap year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. I like that <laughs> idea that I'm getting paid a lot uh, to do it. You know, yeah. his cousins is only 30. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, he came in the league so young because I think he was even young for a college freshman. Oh, my God. That's especially crazy because I just brought up that Steve Nash was only 30 or was 30 years old when he went back to, like, that whole Phoenix run with him. He was 30 at the very beginning of it. Yeah. Um, so that would be like DeMarcus Cousins, like, starting a Nash Suns run right now. That's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. And, like, when you think about it, Cousins has basically kind of been – well, he was out of the league this year, but even, like, the last season in Golden State, he was injured for like for most of it. Um, so he's like, it's kind of like he's been out of the picture for two years, and he's mm-hmm. still thirty. Like, oh man, it's crazy. That was the he was the same draft as John Wall too, right? Who had kind of a similar thing. Yeah, where he's been out for a while. Yeah, John Wall's twenty nine. That's crazy. John Wall isn't thirty yet. I know. Wow. Oh my god. You think someone will take a chance on Cousins? I feel like they have to. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, like it was kind of absurd that like Mello lasted as long as he did. And then um, when he eventually got signed, I think he showed that he still had some of the skills that he had in the past and was like more willing to accept a different role. I think that would probably be the case for cousins too, where like a team eventually is going to sign him to be their backup center. And I think he'll be really great in that role. Um, just sort of limiting him and, and not exposing him so much to like the explosive guard play 
that we have in the league right now. I think he could be really good off the bench for a team. Yeah, he could definitely, you know, get buckets. And there's teams right now, like, um, you know, when you look at uh, what what happened last night, like OKC probably could have used Cousins just to, like, dominate over, you know, P.J. Tucker, given his size and strength. Um, and Adams obviously isn't that player. So I think, you know, for the right type of team and some for someone who, you know, if you have a good culture in place and it's not going to get derailed by just having one guy who, you know, was a star at one point, um, you know, he can definitely help the right type of team in certain matchups in the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, you know, Ennis Kanter is still on a roster. So I think, <laughs> you know, uh, Cousins would, would have to be based on, on that logic. Uh, Mark, <laughs> any quotes that you want to highlight? There's some good stuff floating around on, on the hire, but uh, and curious if anything caught your eye. Yeah, I mean, the... There was obviously a lot of praise. I saw Danny Ainge was praising him. Steve Kerr tweeted about it. The one that uh, was most interesting to me, though, was from Mike D'Antoni, um, just because I was trying to figure out like what kind of uh, offense Nash is going to try to run, whether it would be sort of the motion offense that they ran in Golden State or if he would do more pick-and-roll stuff like he ran as a player. Um, and D'Antoni said that uh, in Phoenix when they were together, the game plan was to get it to Steve Steve, you figure it out. And so, yeah, he was pretty involved in what they were doing there. So that sort of tells me that maybe uh, he would run a similar offense to what they did in those Phoenix teams. But then also I'm, I'm thinking like it didn't like work, like they didn't win a title. So maybe he's like more hesitant to do that. It, it kind of just left me more confused than, than not. But it was at least a good sign that he was actively involved in the game plan for those teams, which is what I assumed, but just good to hear uh, the head coach vocalize that. Yeah, no, I, I think that will be important. Just like the sheer flexibility. Uh, and, and, you know, there's going to be a mutual respect there between Kyrie and KD and, and Nash. And you have a bunch of people that are really, really good at, you know, scoring the ball and creating opportunities for others, you know, Nash and his career as a player and those guys now. So I think it will be just be fun to see them figure it out on the fly and, you know, I think they'll, I think they'll have fun uh, while they're at it. Uh, my favorite's from, uh, it's a tweet. It's not a, I guess it's a quote, but it's from Spencer <laughs> Dimwitty. First he tweeted, y'all wanted a third star. I am popcorn. Uh, and then, you know, probably is getting a ton of, you know, uh, replies saying Levert, you, whatever, just to expand upon this, since I was having a little fun, I love the Steve Nash hire. So much of coaching at this level is being a psychologist. I think Karis is the third star. So that means four rock stars in the building. Further roster construction will be interesting. I love he's like, Steve, you're just going to be our, our shrink. I also love that he like didn't include himself yeah. as a star and then just says like further roster construction will be interesting. <laughs> he's yeah. always, he's always like leaving room for interpretations in a bunch of different ways. Um, I love it. Also Nick Claxton, great tweet. Uh, he just said big guard eye emojis. And then Spencer quote tweeted and said, relax, you got to be able to post me up first. So glad he's uh, uh, enjoying time with his teammates. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm so excited <laughs> to watch Dimwitty back on the court. I feel like him and Nash are really going to be like, uh, really going to hit it off. Yeah, I wonder if they almost try to run like two teams because I saw, I can't remember where this was. I think it was maybe on the low post they were talking about uh, what role Karras could have. And it was like, yeah, maybe like during the regular season, like you want to rest KD and Kyrie and kind of give them time, especially like coming back from injuries. Like you'll just have certain games where you're like, yeah, this is like a game for Karras to take over. I wonder if they have like Dinwiddie and Karras and those guys kind of running like that Suns offense off the bench. And then 
with the starters with KD and Kyrie running more motion or running more ISO or whatever. I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff they can do because they have a lot of uh, different and unique pieces. Yep, for sure. I uh, I think now has to be a priority to sign Joe Harris, resign Joe Harris. Yes. Given, you know, you obviously have a coach that's going to be offense focused, uh, and not that they weren't going to resign him anyway because we were, you know, saying that has to be a priority. So it will be a very interesting ride. Uh, initial thoughts, I think we're both very positive on it. We're excited about it. Uh, and now we'll just kind of have to brainstorm ways in which, you know, this is going to work out and, and we'll probably get clar- more clarity as we get closer to the season. But ultimately, we really won't know kind of how Steve Nash is going to do things until, you know, training camp, preseason, and uh, the regular season tips off. And, hopefully January, but we're not really sure when that's going to be. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to enjoy some great NBA playoff action because it's been crazy. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nets. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. I am at JMBass underscore. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate us and review us. Uh, tell us what you think of the Steve Nash hire as well. And until next time, be well. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.